listeners to another um, episode of the David Crip Projects podcast. Um, my name's Lise DeBeer, and this time around, I'm not at the David Crip Projects Cape Town Gallery, but I'm actually um, in Kampala, Uganda, here at the Design Hub Kampala. And today, we're going to be speaking to Dorina Dengo, um, and she is an architect working here in Kampala. Um, Doreen, welcome, and thank you for joining us. Thank you. Glad to be here. So you're an architect working here in Kampala. Why did you want to become an architect and what was your journey to become one? Um, it was a very long journey. I like drawing and so I always was thinking of ways to find a way to use drawing to then have some kind of uh, career. Mm. Um, when I think about it, I should have been an artist. Yes, I didn't know that that was an option at the time. And so I literally picked architecture because I felt like that was a profession where I'd be paid to draw. So that's mm. what drew me to it first. But the more I um, studied, I learned that it was about much more. And um, and yeah, I, I feel like uh, it's basically drawings what brought me mm. to architecture. And then once I got there, I realized that there was much more to it. Oh, great. Yeah. And then where did you study and so what was the process? Because I, yes. I know that architecture, it's a, it's a lifelong commitment just to get the studying done. Yes, it's seven years in total. So I did four years undergrad at the Catholic University of America, mm -hmm. which is in D.C., and then three years graduate at Yale University. And then after that, I trained uh, first for, 12, for um, three years and you get... You do an exam and get licensed. And once you're licensed, that's when you're officially an architect. Okay. And so, so the overall training together now is about 12, 15 years. Oh, wow. Yes. <laughs> so you're now an expert. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. You learn something new every day. But yeah. yeah, more or less, I think I'm much I'm much more confident than I was when I just come out of oh, school. Oh, that's wonderful. And is there any particular architecture or architects that have been a big inspiration for you? Yes, I think while I was a student at Yale, um, I came across David Ajay. Mm -hmm. who's uh, the British Ghanaian architect. Um, and he was really an inspiration to me at the time because at the time I couldn't find role models. Yes. So it was very interesting to, to meet someone who I felt I could identify with in terms of his background and even the kind of projects that he was doing. And I think that uh, gave me a lot of confidence at that time to believe that this was something mm -hmm. I could do. Oh, that's wonderful. Um, so what's really quite exciting is that you've actually opened your own architecture firm here in Kampala. What is the ethos or what is the aim behind this firm that you've created? So uh, our main goal is to look at affordable housing because there's a housing crisis in Kampala right now. Um, I'm, I'm sure you've seen even from the journey from the airport until yes. to Kampala. It's a lot of um, informal settlements, uh, very high density areas uh, mm. with no good infrastructure like roads and water and things like that. And so... Um, the core of the practice is looking at those issues and how best to resolve them. But we've learned that it's it's really complicated. It's not really it's not just about the house, but all the infrastructure yes. around it. And so it's an ongoing process. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Because those are, I think, with your affordable housing and it's I just looked on your website and the type of projects you've been involved in, is that that has been a strong focus for it. Um, and another one that I find really interesting is your medical mobile camp. So you really are creating things that are exist throughout. So it's not just housing, but it's medicine, it's health. It's kind of all the things that affect people. And what was your inspiration or what was the main focus in creating the medical um, mobile camp? 
Yeah, the the main uh, focus was um, in a lot of rural parts of Uganda, there are no hospitals. Mm -hmm. And uh, again, because of poor infrastructure, bad roads and everything, it's hard for doctors to get to the people that need the health. And it's usually just simple primary primary healthcare. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there are these doctors that move in camps and they'll set up for a day and the people appear and they'll go to the next um, town or like part of the rural the closest town to a rural area. And uh, so this was a solution for those types of doctors who are already doing this to kind of move from place to place much easier. Mm-hmm. Um, where we are with that one is trying to find which truck company yes. would allow this, uh, you know, because it's a container mm-hmm. on the truck, because the truck is a bigger part of it because it needs to get to these get places. To. which have really, really difficult to yes, get to. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. And so when we speak about the affordable housing, what is the ideal kind of affordable housing that you would want to put in place? There's a national housing construction company, which is mm-hmm. Uganda's kind of uh, part government, part private entity that deals with affordable housing. Their target um, is a, a house that's $15,000 to construct okay. is um, deemed affordable. Yes. And this is a, a result of calculation that mm. they've made. So um, our goal is to make a house that fits within the budget, which we've done. Um, I think, in, do you mean the house in terms of how it looks and feels? Yeah, or? I think also in terms of the fact that because they're in terms of also water issues, electricity, or you're also trying to make them like eco-friendly, yes. is that also one of the focuses? Yes, definitely. Like sustainable, so looking at mm. solar energy. I mean, we have so much sun yeah. here. There's no winter. Africa's perfect. perfect for yes. it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so solar energy, uh, rainwater harvesting, mm. and all these things also come with it. And even ways to bring in natural light. Uh, because a lot of houses here are dark, and it's strange to explain why. Just thinking about the house itself mm. and how it to make it more livable within it and also the sustainable issues that come along with it. But again, the big challenge is, let's say, with solar, there's a high cost to install it initially. Yes. Eventually it pays off. Mm. So it's we find it's also difficult to convince people to install the solar. Mm, that initial really big cost yes. and convincing them that it's actually going to help in the long run. Yes, exactly, <laughs> yes. Um, and I think it's great because I get the sense that it's not just creating something that's affordable, but overall, it's a better lifestyle. It's you have that natural lighting. It's more encompassing to a better whole, yes, which is yeah. wonderful. And I think part of the having with affordable housing is that, from what I've seen, is that how Kampala was designed. So mm-hmm. it has the architecture in Kampala is kind of based on its colonial history. Yes. Um, it was designed and the city planning was done by Ernest May um, at around 1945, 1947. And is the affordable housing issue um, part of that history? Or how mm. has Kampala, in a sense, a responded to that kind of colonial architectural history because I still see it when even when I was driving you do get a sense of that like modernist buildings that are appearing yes yeah that's a really interesting question I think the positive side of that history is the buildings that were done in that time were built really well Mm -hmm. like really good materials really good design there was a whole range of um what they called at the time like tropical architecture, like yes. buildings that actually respond to this environment. And so that was a great part of it. The downside is that at the time the British 
didn't know independence was going to come. So yeah. they designed it as <laughs> yeah. their own city uh, for 50,000 mm, people. That's and that's so the way small. it was going to work. Mm. And then because of all the issues we've had since with the wars and insecurity, the um, infrastructure has not really developed since mm. then. So now we have a city for 3 million people. Oh, wow. uh, and the infrastructure is for 50,000 mm. people. So I think that's the big issue. And actually in Antsmai's plan, there was also housing. Again, in a different time, it was housing for workers. Mm. So these single room houses, which don't really um, work with African families that are really big. Yes. But a lot of that typology is now in the slums where you'll find the single room mm. units that are, are being rented by people that are moving from place to place temporarily. So I'd say that the biggest impact of the colonial plan is that it was planning for a much smaller mm. place of 50,000 people and now um, there's 3 million. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's definitely grown over here. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, and what would you say would be your dream project in Kampala? I thought about this one. So I think my dream project is there's, there's only one museum National Museum, mm. it's a, a Uganda museum. Didn't and Ernst May also design that? Yes, yeah. actually, <laughs> yeah, he did. And so the primary school that I went to happens to be right next to the museum. Mm -hmm. And so when we were six or seven, the first, there's this one lesson where we're all taken to the museum to see an ex, you know, the exhibition. And unfortunately, the same display I saw when I was six is still there. <laughs> it's the same one. It hasn't changed at all. And so I think one of my dream projects would be to um, rethink what would the Uganda Museum mm -hmm. be now. If it was designed during a different time, how would you redesign it for yeah. now? Yes. For like Kampala's history now and Uganda's history now, I think that could be so wonderful. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. I think um, it's always great to kind of think of those dream projects, you know, because like that's a nice little goal to work, to work towards yes. if everything was in your favor. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes. And I think as architects, we do always think about the dream project. Usually it's your thesis, mm. uh, like the last project you do before you leave school, because then reality hits and... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yes. There's so many logistics you need to actually yes. work through <laughs> to so, get things done. Yeah. So actually my last project in school was a museum. Uh, because of the context it was in, it was a Native American mm -hmm. art museum in Alaska. Oh, wonderful. That was really nice. Yeah. Um, so have you always been drawn to museum spaces? I enjoy them. Uh, have I always been drawn to them? Maybe not consciously, but I do enjoy them. And uh, even while living in New York, I found myself always going to MoMA. Mm. That was one of the like nice spaces to yes. go to every now and then. So, oh, okay. yeah. so you also recently did a, um, a talk with Creative Talks Africa um, about the role of architects within a creative industry. And you explained that um, architects in Uganda often feel misunderstood. Can you explain why that is? Isn't it... Yeah, that is really interesting because um, I was talking about this with other architects more recently. Mm. I think, for one, uh, the idea of a permanent building is new. It yes. came with uh, the British coming. Before the buildings were temporary, um, it was made of um, sustainable materials, so like earth, uh, reeds, grass, thatch, and it wasn't last, meant to last mm -hmm. forever. And these were built by the people themselves for their own functions. And in some places, like in Buganda, which is where we are now in Kampala, like let's say with the king's tombs, there were specific clans that were meant to build specific parts of those tombs. It was like a, a whole, uh, but there wasn't any architect. 
So an architect is someone new, and the word that's used to describe us is actually Mukubiwa plan, which means the person that draws the plan. Yeah. So the public thinks that we're this person that comes in and draws the plan, and they just take it and build oh, themselves, okay. which is what mm. they've always been mm. doing. So I think the biggest challenge that we have is to convince the public that we um, think about the way we think about the site and the layout and come up with a plan. First of all, it's a much longer process. We don't just draw the plan. Just in draw <Yes>. And then once the plan is done, we actually interact with other, let's say, the engineers mm. and and even the builder. And then once the builder is building, we continue to interact with them mm. until it's finished because it's a vision. Yes. And so that's the part that the, the um, general public doesn't get. And then we're kind of seen as being expensive, which is an yeah. issue <laughs> <Yeah>. everywhere. <laughs> and so they're, they're very quick to want to cut us out of the whole mm. process once they have their plan because they think the plan is all yes. they need. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's, it's trying to just always just building down those misconceptions. Like you really are trying to create something in the best interest of the people. Mm-hmm. You want to make sure that what they're going to live in is the best for them and you need to be you're involved in every step of the way. Yes. You know? So it's not just a piece of paper you're handing over. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so within the creative industry, I completely agree, uh, architects play such an important role because like we said earlier, it's not, you can, it's an, a form of art in yes. itself. Yes. Um, and have you ever collaborated with other people, other creatives in other disciplines? Um, yeah, yeah, that's a good question. So we have our very first um, uh, works that are in a museum in Munich. Um, it's part of an exhibition called African Mobilities. This is not a refugee camp exhibition. Yeah. It's actually yeah. <laughs> the title, which is really fun. Yeah, and so um, there were different collaborators from different parts of Africa, and so were the East African collaborators, and we were looking at the Congolese community in Kampala and mm-hmm. what economic activities they're involved with, and the highest is um, many of them are in the Kitenge trade. So we found this um, really amazing Kitenge trader in downtown Kampala and documented not only his shop, but his movements mm-hmm. around the Kitenge and then the neighborhood that he's in and then made a series of drawings um, about that and a, and a film. So what this meant is I, we interacted with uh, photographers, with a photographer on the team, and then the most difficult part was the video. Yeah. Because that's where everything came together. Mm-hmm. So um, the video editor... Um, and even the idea of writing the script was mm. an art of its own, you know, with the video editor as well. And so I think that's the one project that uh, demonstrates how we collaborated with mm. other And what do you artists. find the most beneficial about working with other? Do you find that you learn something new and that you somewhat apply some of those skills and ways of thinking into your architectural work? Yeah, definitely. I think on on one hand, like collaboration is, and especially interdisciplinary, it's really difficult because each person is trained a specific way. And so you have to be patient to understand where they're coming from and why they're suggesting something has to do with their training. Mm -hmm. And so I think by doing that, um, it made me think about things differently, especially the interaction with film. Because at the end, you're trying to tell a story, there's a narrative. Yes. And so thinking about how to tell a story, even with designing a building, because you're kind of selling the story to the owner themselves, the client. So that's definitely one way it's impacted me. I've realized that the ability to tell a story that engages um, the client mm-hmm. is, is a really uh, powerful 
way of um, communicating to a client and having them understand what it is that yeah. you're making. Yeah. And and then just lastly, I wanted to just so that because um, I'm sure that everyone wants to kind of go straight to your website and see all of the kind of drawings <laughs> of a person, which I'll definitely put in the link below for everyone to have a look at. Yeah. Um, but what project are you currently working on? Right now there's a project that's an ecolodge. Mm -hmm. And it's really interesting. So the western part of Uganda is the most beautiful part. It has mountain ranges, like the Renzori Mountains. It has the gorillas. Oh, wonderful. Um, and they're the biggest attraction, actually, the gorillas. And then it has national parks. Um, there's Queen Elizabeth National Park. Um, and there's, what's the other one I've forgotten? And there's lakes. There's crater lakes. So it's really beautiful. So this particular client is trying to do a lodge that is eco-friendly, meaning that we won't... For example, the, the different cottages and the main lodge itself will be on stilts, so we're not going to make the building sit on the ground, so lightest impact on the ground, and using local materials, you know, the the same that I guess I mentioned before, so the, the wood and thatch mm. and uh, mud bricks, the like compressed earthwork, and so, and then at the same time make it luxury. Yes. Yes, so I think that's going to be a very interesting project to Oh, wonderful. To no, it sounds really exciting. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, but cool. thank you so much for joining me, Doreen. I really appreciate it. Um, and be sure to look at her website. And if you ever want someone to create a beautiful home for you or just a beautiful space, you know who to go to. <laughs> okay. 